Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards and we're recording this on Saturday evening after all the results. Uh, we just needed to do it, basically, uh, because it's been another exciting day in the National League. And joining me as always, we have Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi Luke. Hi guys. This should be fun on a Saturday night. At least two of the four of us, not including me, have had a couple of jars. And emotions are still running high after <laughs> football. Uh, an incredible, an incredible Saturday in the National League. Rob was home in record time. He was he was praising his train changes and everything. So uh, all, all is good in the world. How did all the shot do? We'll find out very shortly. Also joining us it is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hello, good evening. I'm not one of the ones who's been imbibing, and I only had a very short drive back from Kidderminster. So, <laughs> so we've narrowed it down to Luke and our final guest. <laughs> it's like, guess who? Uh, Joe, how's your day been? <laughs> yeah, I, I did have a couple of jars, and, you know, talky won, so it was a happy afternoon. We'll get to that very shortly. Let's head back to lunchtime in the BT Sport. Again, there's two games on BT Sport this afternoon. Understandably, they featured Wrexham and Notts County. Wrexham kicked off at lunchtime. They drew 0-0 away at Barnet and they reduced to 10 men as well. It was uh, Callum Fadsdean who was sent off in the 51st minute. So, drop points for Wrexham and Notts County. They beat Woking by three goals to nil. And... Well, he wasn't on the score sheet, Macaulay Langstaff, this afternoon. But Sam Austin was. He got two, along with Aaron Nemain. And all of a sudden, it's like, just when you think the title race is over, maybe it isn't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, full credit to Knox. They had to be patient, didn't they? They didn't uh, get their noses in front until 10 minutes into the second half. But um, I'll, I'll, let, um, I'll let Joe wax lyrical about Sam Austin in a minute. But a big Big bounce back from Notts County from that uh, must have been a gut-wrenching defeat at uh, Wrexham when they had that huge opportunity um, to, uh, to to get the draw in the dying seconds with uh, the penalty saved by Foster. So, um, yeah, Wrexham could only get a point. Notts County go and get all three. And to everybody that said it's all done and dusted, well, it's swung back a little bit the other way. Wrexham still favourites, Joe, but um, Notts are not ready to lay down just yet, are they? No, and I think Notts would have wanted to go out, especially after the adage of seeing Wrexham drop points, to make sure that they actually won and put the pressure back on. And they did. I thought they were very, very good. They weren't as free-flowing as usual, but they were efficient. Um, Adam Chickson at right wing back was an interesting choice, um, but he played well. And, you know, I I said in our, our group chat, Sam Austin, you know, Outside of your Langstaff and your Mullin, I think he's been the best player in the division this season. I genuinely, every time I've watched him, he has been unbelievable. Um, you know, two goals today, so well taken. Um, and he just looks so cool and composed in front of goal. Um, and for all the, the sort of your Rodriguez and your Langstaff at Notts County, I think if you ask most Notts fans, they'll say he's been sort of the the shining light this season and uh, yeah, a really, really good performance in Austin. Well, let's hang over to Dickie on that one. You've seen him more than anyone recently over the last couple of seasons, Dickie, when he was at Kidderminster. Yeah, I have. Um, I was at Kidderminster today and um, had a bit of a chat, obviously, about about Kidderminster's season and sort of in Bajran. 
uh, to Notts County was put down um, by the fans I spoke to as being the biggest reason that that not uh, that Kidderminster have struggled to meet the expectations this season. Um, you know they did lose players from that side, and we don't. It is County that we're talking about, not Kidderminster. But you know Austin was such a big player for for them last season. Uh, held the captaincy as well. It isn't a surprise to see him step up so effectively in, in into the division above. Um and yeah, you've got to give huge credit to him really because you know it's um the difference between the recruitment from Notts County and Wrexham, you know, Notts County, they've pulled what, four of their leading lights this season came from the division below, but were all players they identified as, you know, could make the step up. Whereas Wrexham have tended to be shopping from the divisions above and bringing down people who are proven at levels above to come and play at a level which maybe, dare I say, is a little bit beneath them. Um, it's a slightly braver transfer policy of, of Notts County. It's perhaps one that you have to do when you haven't got quite so much money available to you, but it certainly worked. Absolutely. And just behind them, it is Chesterfield. They won at home against Eastleigh. You're on a terrible run. They've got thumped at home by Gateshead in midweek. They were 2-0 up at Chesterfield in the first half. They went in leading through Carol Mitchell, former Chesterfield player, of course, and Charlie Carter. But then Ryan Colcuff came off the bench to get them back level again. But Andrew Dallas then scored a 94th minute winner to keep Chesterfield ahead of Woking in the playoff race. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you mentioned it then or, or not or didn't realise it, but Charlie Carter is ex-Chesterfield as well. Yeah, I was wondering. I thought he was. Of course he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... They, they thought they'd spoil the day. Yeah, so one script written there in the first half and then Chesterfield responding in the second. And It's really funny because just in the last couple of days, Joe's been trying to finalise his uh, nominations for the, the best players in the National League this season and in the various positions. And, you know, he sort of ran them by us. And, you know, we all had our opinions on it. But uh, one player that wasn't on the list, I said, you've got to put him on. It's Ryan Colclough. He was a match winner at Altrincham. He's gone to Chesterfield and had to do it from the bench an awful lot, but he's been coming on and scoring key goals. And uh, he scored in the 71st and 89th minute uh, today. And you would have thought at the time that was a good comeback from Chesterfield to get a point, but that wasn't enough. And Andrew Dallas, who's not been able to find the net since he got to Chesterfield, finally got off the mark, nine plus four. And that is a huge win for Chesterfield, especially with Woking losing at Notts County. Um, and Eastleigh have slipped out of the playoff positions. Now, the form they've been on, the form they've been in, I beg your pardon, um, and dropping out today with Bromley, who we'll come on to in a minute, winning, you kind of look at that and you think that's it for Eastleigh. But, and it's a big but, look at the fixtures that are remaining. Um, and uh, I think Bromley have got a tougher fixture list than Eastleigh. So that one might not be done. Mm. What do you think, Joe? Do you think the top seven as it is now is how it will finish? Because my gut says it might well be that way. But Eastleigh, a bit too soon to write them off, yeah? Um, yeah, I think, it will, I think it will probably be the top seven. Um, I still wouldn't discount Southend. I don't know why. Um, I think, you know, they're, they're in with a shout. Um, only three points behind. But as you said, Eastleigh played a game more. Um, they've got two tough fixtures left, Solion Moors and Halifax. Um, 
you know, Halifax on the final day and Halifax will be looking to get a bit of momentum going into the FA Trophy final. So, um, yeah, I would probably say it will be the top seven as it is um, and in that order, probably. Um, and if there's any team that could finish in the top seven that isn't currently, I would probably lean towards Southend as opposed to Eastleigh. You're absolutely right. Southend have snuck, snuck right back into it, haven't they? have such a streaky side. Uh, they lost seven on the trot, was it? Maybe even eight. And now I think they may have won the trot. Um, that's, that's phenomenal, really. And they got As some, for Bromley... They've got yeah. some easy fixtures left as well. Oldham, Scunthorpe um, and Wildstone on the final day if they need something So uh, at mm. home. So, yeah, I wouldn't discount Southend just yet. I'm beating in four, three wins, says Dickie, just confirming the facts there. Um, I wouldn't say Oldham's going to be an easy game by any means. But, Luke, if you don't mind, we'll just move on to that Bromley win. Probably one of the most impressive results of the day. Uh, Gateshead, who've been sweeping away all before them in the FA Trophy, and I think it was five wins on the trot in the in the National League, but it was a game too far for them today at home to Bromley. Corey Whiteley, Ryan Sturk and Louis Dennis on the score sheet, as Brom- Bromley said, thank you very much. Three goals, three points, clean sheet, and we'll pop ourselves into the playoff places too. Thank you very much. And as we're recording this, I would imagine Bromley are having a very happy return journey all the way back down to Kent from uh, the northeast. After Gates said uh, winning at Eastleigh in midweek 5-2, um, Aaron Martin with a hat-trick in midweek, back on the bench today. Um, couldn't get... Couldn't have, a hat-trick wasn't enough to force his way back into the starting lineup. Marcus Denanga stepping in. But, um, yeah, I mean, Gates said that we, we still, I think, feel that they will all feel that they've probably made themselves safe now. But uh, that will be a disappointment today to lose that one, but a great result for Bromley. Maybe it is those two away trips in the week, um, in the last week, that have just caught up with Gateshead a little bit there today. Not to take anything away, of course, from uh, Bromley. Uh, and uh, Luke, not trying to do your job for you at all, but to help you out a little bit, coming to the third of those three teams, South End United, uh, I guess I've got to go back to Joe now so he can wax lyrical about Jack Bridge again, right? I'll just go and get myself another drink. You just you just talk amongst yourselves, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, another um, another good performance from, from Jack Bridge. He's been really good this season, albeit two goals from the penalty spot um, against Agnum and Redbridge. Um, pretty comfortable win in the end for them. And um, yeah, they, they seem to have got themselves back in the mix and you know, I always favoured Southend. I said at the end of last season that I favoured them going into this season. And even during their run, you know, I thought that they'd still be in the mix. And, you know, they've managed to grind out the last couple of wins, even if they haven't been at their best. Um, you know, beating Yeovil and winning again today against Dagenham Redbridge. So, yeah, you know, they're, they're winning uh, and they're finding a way to win. Um, and, yeah, another good, another good result. It's interesting you mentioned about Jack Bridge actually though because it's not like he's a he's sort of some up and coming revelation. He has played plenty of league games at Northampton and Carlisle, um, so you do feel having seen him play in the league that he maybe is too good for the national league. Yeah, um, you know I think that Southend team is one where there's a lot of people in their side that could play higher, um, and I think it's probably kudos to the the work that Kevin May has done and Darren Curry's done there that you know that. Players in their side are able to elevate their game and get more out of them. Um, 
you know, because they are two very, very good coaches. You know, the number of people that have come through under Darren Curry, um, especially under John Still, um, who's head of, head of football there at Southend. Um, you know, the number of people that have come through and gone on to have really good careers. And perhaps the springboard at Southend is, you know, going to get Jack Bridge playing in the AFL. I mean, he may still get there with Southend this season. You know, who knows? But uh, yeah, a really good player. Just to very quickly on Southend. I think you've got the perfect example of there of how even good, really good players at their level um, can 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 lose a lot of confidence and it can affect the team's results because that was a horrendous run that Southend went on. Um, and when I watched them getting the seventh or the eighth defeat on the trot at Dorking, I couldn't quite believe when look the, the difference between looking at the names on the team sheet and looking at how they performed, but. One win turned the corner. They backed it up with another, and now they're flying again. And you're absolutely right; they've got that game in hand, and um, you know probably a stronger case for them to get in the playoffs than than Eastley, who were sat in them until today. So last week we thought the relegation spot was between Aldershot and Torquay. However, with the way the results have gone today, York City and Maidenhead are definitely still in it. Torquay. Big win for them, 3-2 over York. They're now only three points behind York. They still occupy the last playoff place. And Aldershot also had a good win against Scunthorpe. We'll come on to that, Rob, shortly. But Joe Torkey, the informed team in the National League, or one of anyway. Yeah, how nice it is to uh, to hear that. Um, you know, whether it's too late, will time will tell. Um, but yeah, a really good win. Um, another hat-trick for Aaron Jarvis. Um, you know, he's just so good. Um, you know, I've waxed lyrical about him this season. And, you know, yes, he has got better since Frank Newbell's been alongside him this um, in recent games, but he's just so good. Um, and, you know, I'm going to give a bit of praise for Gary Johnson here. You know, hopefully you're all sitting down. But, you know, as much as I have given criticism of Gary Johnson this season, one player that he did take a chance on, um, Aaron Jarvis relegated with Scunthorpe didn't play a lot of games with Scunthorpe he said you know he's going to be the main man for me and he's going to get me back playing and he's been unbelievable um, and you know three goals uh, for him today against the York side who they were without their manager today Michael Morton wasn't on the touchline uh, he's struggling with Covid um, so he wasn't actually in the game today um, and against the York side who just got beat 3-0 by Halifax who by all means, apparently, they, they played well and they battled well. Um, but in the end, Torquay got a, a, another really important three points. And, you know, with three games to go, we've given ourselves a chance, which is perhaps all we could have asked for in this situation we were in a month or so ago. Um, and it's just whether or not we can finish that off now, albeit we have got three very, very tough games. But, um, yeah, a good win. Um, and, yeah, a really, really good performance. With Torquay's win, that meant that the pressure was on Aldershot. Uh, last week, we mentioned, of course, Scunthorpe lost their battle against a relegation. And before the game, Rob caught up with BBC Radio Humberside's Ollie Turner. Ollie, you'll be calling the um, Aldershot and Scunthorpe game today. And I understand you were calling it last week at Glanford Park. Just try to put into words what, uh, what that occasion was like last week. Oof, blimey, I've tried to forget about it since Monday, to be honest with you. I think there was an air of 
resignation around Glenford Park to be honest I think there was an almost funeral like atmosphere at times during the game I think fans had accepted that the team were down quite a few weeks before that to be honest but I think the run of results leading up to the Oldham game really were the final nails in the coffin so to speak so I think fans went into that game not really expecting much the team weren't playing well I think they'd gone into that game on a run of four games without a win and without a goal and I think they played well in the first half but never really posed any threat to be honest with you and um, I think when the full time whistle had blown and the results had gone against them as well regardless of that I mean they lost so their relegation was confirmed as a result but there wasn't really any frustration or booing or anger the fans had just they'd already given up hope of staying up in the division and most of them had probably left by the time the full time whistle went to be honest with you and and that was that. It was just the end of another very sad chapter in the last few years of this club's history. Do you think part of the reason for that sort of lack of, I don't know, anger, protests, etc., is because they've known for a little while? Maybe was part of it because there has been a change of owner, there has been a change of manager, so you can't, you can't literally throw it all at those that are now custodians, can you? Um, no, I think the list of people who maybe can take some portion of the blame is quite a long one. Um, and so there isn't really one singular representative figure that the fans could direct their ire at. I mean, you could argue that the club's relegation was in large part due to the, all the off-the-pitch turmoil that they've suffered through up until the end of January when the new owner came in in terms of takeovers collapsing. The club at one point were unable to pay wages. There was a transfer embargo due to um, an alleged unpaid tax bill. They were served a winding-up petition by HMRC. I suppose maybe if you wanted to look at the other half of the season from the end of January onwards, too much too soon in terms of the amount of players that came in. Maybe some fans would argue Michael Nelson should have been given more of a chance. But I think the owner probably looked at it and thought something drastic needs to happen in terms of keeping this club in the National League. Um, and I suppose all the uncertainty in the last few weeks in terms of training moving to Ilkeston and then not, the academy closing and then not um, the club still doesn't own the ground and that's causing a bit of worry among the fans as well so mm. as you say I think that there wasn't one sole person that the fans could direct their anger towards and that may be a big part of it. It's a step up for Jimmy Dean, he's been a successful manager at the league below and he was doing extremely well with uh, very few resources at Peterborough Sports as well um, over the, the, the last uh, couple of months or so, ha, ha, have the Scunthorpe fans started to take to him or is it, was it just too much to do in too short a time for him for this season? I actually think they've probably gone the other way over the last few weeks. I think when you, I think when you look back at the Wildstone game, their last win, that 4-1 victory in which they played... So, I mean, Wildstone were really off colour that day, to be honest, but Scunthorpe played really well and had a game plan which worked for that game. And it's all gone really bizarrely wrong since they got absolutely hammered at Notts County. They didn't lay a glove on them. I think they only had one shot on goal in the entire game. And it's really unravelled. I think York City, they played well, but the lack of urgency in the second half the fans weren't happy with. Um, and then moving on, the, the Torquay game, Jimmy Dean was obviously incredibly critical of the players. I, I wasn't at that game, so I can't comment on it. But then Gateshead again, they, just, they were down to 10 men for most of the second half, but didn't show up didn't look like they were playing for the manager the players or were really bothered about the situation um, and then Oldham as well wasn't particularly inspiring either and I think the fans have come to question the number of changes that have 
being made to the team week in, week out. It's at least four or five changes most weeks. Uh, the formation and the setup as well have sometimes been confusing. And which players are given a chance and which aren't. So I think he is also going into next season with questions surrounding him, but at least it's a level, to be fair to him, that he knows well from his time at Peterborough Sports <laughs> earlier this season. Um, and I think he'd argue, well, I only got 14, 15 games. The club were probably already down when I came in. I, I deserve a, at least a, a crack at it at the start of this upcoming campaign. Absolutely. Yeah, very, very long, tough season for Scunthorpe uh, fans. And... Uh, and, and my, my, my one visit up to Glan- Glanford Park earlier this season for the three-all draw will, will prove to be the only one for now because obviously mm-hmm. Aldershot aren't safe yet. But should they go down, they go down to the National League South. But Ollie, um, good to chat with you Thank again you and uh, all the best for next season as well. Thank you. Cheers. And that was Ollie Turner and Rob. It was vital that Aldershot matched the Torquay result and they did. Yeah, they did eventually. They did in the end. I just want to acknowledge the Scunthorpe relegation. I think Ollie Turner summed it up brilliantly, really. Um, troubled times for that football club. It's such a shame. It really, really is. But Aldershot had to go to work. They had to do their business and get the job done. Very, very impressive first half from the shots. Probably should have been two or three goals up, but uh, didn't quite work out the final pass, the final ball, etc. Uh, they did go in 1-0 up with uh, Tarvin Campbell getting his second goal in uh, five days. Um, and then the big fella, um, Boyce, at the back, come up and uh, glanced one in from a free kick for Scunthorpe and it absolutely killed stone cold the atmosphere at the EBB. Um, and then really, to be honest, all the shots started after that. There was a lot of nerves and tension, but they found a moment of quality. Uh, seven minutes from time, an Ollie Harfield free kick. And the big man, the big nut, Tyler Cordner, was there again. Uh, his eighth goal of the season, um, the joint top scorer left at the club after Effie Young's departure. And all the shots somehow found a way. And obviously, you know, with what Torquay did, you have to doff your cap to them. That was phenomenal. And uh, at one point, for a long time this afternoon, it looked like all the shots were going to be level on points with Torquay and only above them on about three goals difference. But... Uh, Joe and I, well, we've talked about it and um, we can see a way. We can see a way where possibly Aldershot and Torquay could both stay up, but it's going to need a lot to go in their favour between now and the end of the season. But the title race has been set alight again and the relegation race has got more teams involved in it now. Maidenhead and York looking over their shoulder. Yeah, I've just got a question for Rob. I mean, he knows it's coming, um, but he doesn't. Because I haven't told him, but <laughs> given how good he's been this season, um, and the fact that Aldershot could go down, do you think it there could be a possibility that he may only get to see Cordner play three more times for Aldershot? Listen, there's always that possibility anyway. I think regardless really of whether Aldershot stay up or go down, but any club coming in is gonna have to stump up a decent amount of cash to get him. He's very, very happy at Aldershot. He's signed an extended contract. But I don't think Aldershot would stand in his way. I don't think the fans would stand in his way if uh, if he gets an offer. But what I do know from Tyler, he's an honest man and it will need to be the right offer from the right club if he's going to go. He absolutely loves it and he's a shoo-in um, you know, for, for, for Aldershot's player of the season this year. Uh, a lot of people uh, also think it maybe he should be given the captain's role next year as well. No disrespect to Joe Partington. Yeah, I, I've got to be honest here. I don't think I... You live so much game to game 
Uh, a couple of people sort of said to me in the week that maybe those teams on 49 points weren't quite safe yet. And I couldn't quite see it. But when you see York and Maidenhead both lose today, and then Aldershot and Torquay move within striking distance of them, and both those teams have played a game more. And they've only got two games left. They are right in it. Uh, and Maidenhead, um, you know, they we all congratulated them on being safe, what, three, four weeks ago, and they've lost every game since. Got some tough games as well uh, left. They got Barnet next week, um, and then they got Gateshead um, away on the final day. So um, yeah, Maidenhead, Alan Devonshire. It seems like he's always safe, but maybe not this year. Yeovil, they got a draw away at Solihull Moors, but it feels like it's delaying the inevitable a little bit, isn't it? Especially as their away game is, or their game in hand, Wrexham's game in hand is against Yeovil on Tuesday. Yeah, um, you know, I, I was reading some comments in the Oval uh, forum, as I do after most games on a Saturday when they're away. And I think most Oval fans sort of felt that it, the fight that they showed in the second half and the level of performance they showed in the second half, if they'd have shown it for more of the, you know, back end of the season, they might have been in with a chance. Um, but yeah, you know, especially given Aldershot one and Torquay one, um, you feel that it's pretty much just playing for time now for Yeovil, especially with that game against Wrexham coming in midweek. So um, yeah, disappointing. What I did find um, a little bit ironic is the two players that Mark Cooper has made a big thing about saying that they're not good enough um, and that he's kind of not used them given that they weren't actually signed by him. Um, both got brought on at half time, Griffiths and Zizabar. One of them scored, and apparently they both made a difference. Uh, and they came from 2 0 down to get a point. So, um, yeah, um, a good point in, you know, ordinary terms, but given how everybody else did, um, a pretty ordinary point and a disappointing one, perhaps, in the end. And one of the best names in the National League, that I think, Xander Zizibar. Imagine that one in commentary if he hits the bar or something. Zandy Zizibar hits a bar. Josh Kelly mentioned for him two goals. Um, and he's really come into his own a little bit since Dallas left, doesn't he, for Solihull? But uh, yeah, not really a point that either side will be too pleased with, really. And I think it's worth just men- mentioning that uh, Yeovil go to Wrexham in the week and uh, Wrexham can relegate Yeovil. Um, and of course, there is that still the possibility that on the final day of the season, Wrexham may play a part in, in Torquay being relegated as well. But I think a lot of people are rooting for Torquay now after that fantastic run of five wins on the trot. And who knows, they could go into that game already safe. You just don't know. does look and feel, though, with the amount of teams involved, it could go to the wire. Yeah, Oldham definitely safe. They beat Maidenhead by a goal to nil. And Dorkin, I think they've assured their safety today as well, haven't they? They were... 2-0 down against Aldershot. They were 2-0 down within eight minutes. Regan Linney and then a very good young player on loan from Manchester United. Maxi Oyadeli had them 2-0 up. But they roared back, didn't they? Jimmy Mewitt got a goal back. And then the hot dog, Harry Hottaway, he scored a equaliser before Jason Pryor got the winner. And I think that, like I say, job done for Darkin. Yeah, just about. I mean, spoke with Mark White in the week and he wasn't interested in how many points they needed to confirm staying up. He said, we're going for four wins in the last four games. That's the way he thinks. That's his mentality. Once they've turned the corner, Dorkin, once they stopped conceding the goals, once they started scoring the goals again, he believes they can go out and beat anybody in this division. And uh, 
to be fair, they're on a great run, aren't they? Five wins out of six. It has propelled them to almost mathematical safety. They're not quite up. Uh, they're not quite confirmed as, as as their status in the National League next year, but probably, if anything at all, need another point uh, for the remaining three games. Um, what we do know is that it's very likely now that um, one team could be relegated from the National League with 50 points or more, which is uh, quite staggering. That doesn't happen very often. No, can you imagine that? We set out a target 50 points to stay up and then you still get relegated. You'd be... Pretty devastated about that. Bournemouth beat Wailstone by a goal to nil. George Brown bent on the score sheet, which means they remain in the playoff spots. And Halifax, their good run is continuing. They beat already relegated, made some by three goals to nil. Millie Alley was on the score sheet as well, as was Emmanuel Dusaruve and Rob Harker. We're going to move on and look at the National League South. And as we mentioned, Ebsley champions a couple of weeks ago. But they could have an influence on the bottom of the table. And they did do, as they beat Chesson by three goals to nil. Toby Edster opened the scoring on five minutes. Greg Cundall added a second on 55. And then Luke O'Neill with a third on 61. Uh, Dartford, they've not had a great week. They lost 1-0 at home to Taunton. But they did bounce back by winning 1-0 away at Tombridge, which means they remain in second, and he needed that win because Oxford City had a thumping 5-1 away win at Dover. It was lots of lols again. He he was on the score sheet. Kevin Law lost two goals towards the end, along with Zach McCreckeran, and also on the score sheet was Oliver Sanderson and Latrell Humphrey Ewers. So, Joe, a massive win that for Dartford in the race for the second position. Yeah, a massive win um, and a much-needed one, you know, especially after losing to Taunton in midweek. Um, they'd have been, you know, very critical um, of Dartford, uh, given the fact that they, they couldn't get anything from that game. Um, and especially against the side who have been in and around the edge of the playoffs this season in top of its angels, um, to go there and get a win and a clean sheet um, is a really good win for Alan Dowson's side, uh, Malachi Napa scoring the only goal of the game there. So, yeah, a, a much-needed win. Um, and especially given that Oxford City, um, they're, you know, they've been so good in front of goal all season. Um, Clyde Lollis has been one of the players of the season this, this year. Um, and he got another couple of goals for them. Um, so, given that they won, it was a game that they actually had to win, Dartford realistically to keep themselves in the mix for that so um yeah a good a good win for for both still in the mix as well at Chelmsford they won 5-1 against Hungerford which didn't help Hungerford's cause at the bottom of the table especially as they lost in midweek to Concord it was a couple of goals for Tom Blackwell he was on the score sheet along with James he got one and also on the score sheet for them was Tyreek Johnson and also Callum Jones. Big win that for Chelmsford, as we mentioned, and repercussions at both ends of the table. But that also meant that they stayed ahead of St Albans, who got a 3-0 win against Welling. Yeah, um, a big win for Chelmsford. Um, you know, Chelmsford haven't necessarily been that free-flowing or free-scoring uh, this season. They've been sort of gritty and attritional. Um, you know, the odd goal. Um, so for them to win by so many, uh, 5-1 there um, will give them some confidence going into what looks like the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, St Albans, 
Uh, a 3-0 win there against Welling. Uh, Welling have been pretty good defensively of late, something we haven't really said about them this season. Uh, but they've been improved in that department. Uh, but not not today. Uh, 3-0 win for St Albans, two from O'Connell and a goal for Mitch Weiss, uh, a player that I really rate highly. Um, he added the third. And um, yeah, two teams well in the mix still and uh, good wins for them. Braintree Worthing, yeah, Braintree and Worthing upper uh occupy sixth and seventh they were down on the sussex coast and braintree actually took the lead through zach bradshaw but where did he close on half time before they got a winner 20 minutes from time through reese meekham's big win up for worthing wasn't it joe yeah um a big win um you know they, they were very very good recently uh with their sort of five or six goal haul um but that that would have been a different type of win today against Braintree, um, a good side in their own right, um, especially to go a goal behind after a quarter of an hour. Um, to, shows a lot about Worthing that, you know, they they aren't just this really good attacking side, but also they've got the, the gritty part of their game to to come from behind and get the win. Um, Reese Mile Meekham's uh, formerly of Bromley, played at the National League before. Um, he got the winner with 20 minutes to play and uh, he's been really good for them this season. And uh, yeah, a really, really big win for Worthing. Down at the bottom, it was a massive win for Dulwich Hamlet over Taunton. As we mentioned, Taunton have had a good recent one run. They've they won one 0 away at Dartford in midweek. George Porter opened the scoring on ten minutes, and then Sanchez Ming with a penalty eleven minutes from time. Taunton had Nick McCutty dismissed nine minutes from time. As we mentioned, Chesson lost away at Ebbsfleet. Also, Weymouth they lost away two one at Hampton and Richmond Borough, and also. Hungerford, as we mentioned, they'd already lost away as well, and Concord all lost. So none of the bottom four won, so it's kind of as you were, but it's given Dutch Hamlet a bit of breathing space. Yeah, Hacken Hay Retin would have seen that as a game that they just had to win. Uh, you know, Taunton are safe. Um, you know, they're in the National League South for another season, um, and he would have seen that as a game that they could have gone and won. Um, so, yeah, a 2-0 win. It'd be interesting to see what Nick McCooty got sent off for, given that Dulwich scored in the 79th minute and then a minute later he got sent off, wherever it is, for an altercation after perhaps celebrations of securing a win. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, a really good win for Dulwich and uh, another team that we haven't really talked about in terms of clean sheets this season. Um, so another one for them uh, will be a really, really pleasing thing for, for Hacking Hayretin and um, yeah, you know, all the teams at the bottom, they've sort of had a, a really poor day, not just for the fact they've lost, but it's taken a big battering on the goal difference. You know, Chesson losing 3-0, Hungerford uh, shipping four on the goal difference uh, and Concord as well for uh, Donovan uh, Wilson, um, or oh, sorry, Scott Wilson. Um, formerly Dagenham and Redbridge, he scored a goal either side of half time. Uh, and uh, Dan Hayfield, formerly at Tiverton Town, really good attacking midfielder, he got the the fourth goal for Brett, uh, for Bath there. So um, yeah, all the teams at the bottom who sort of need a reaction need needed to show something, and they didn't defensively. So that'll be a worry. Well, the games in the South Eastbourne Borough beat Hemel Hempstead. By three goals to nil. Also, a good win for Scotty Davis's Slough. They beat promotion chasing Farnborough 
it was that guy on the score sheet again, George Alexander, and then Johnny Goddard with a penalty on 22 minutes. And a really good revival from Scott Davis since he's gone in there, Rob. Yeah, overall, they've picked up, haven't they? They've pulled themselves up to safety. And that was a, a massive game, really, um, today. It was a massive game for Farnborough, who literally threatened. They were pushing so close to the playoff position with all those games in hand, but they've played most of them now. And they're uh, sort of six, seven points off it. So um, I wonder if that might signal realistically the end of Farnborough's um, uh, faint hopes of the playoff. Um, they've fallen away a little bit at the wrong time of the season. But um, finally, I think we've covered most of the games, but just a word for Tom Lang, uh, former regular on the uh, podcast. Another win for Hampton and Richmond. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Weymouth, one of the bottom four sides losing, but uh, Alfie Whittingham and Rory Donaldson with the late goals there. Um, and what a finish to the season it's been for Hampton and Richmond, who were really worried about relegation a little while ago. And um, now they find themselves 13 points clear of the uh, relegation positions with only three games to go. So they're safe. Well done, Hampton and Richmond. Yeah, speaking to Tom uh, a couple of weeks ago, it looks like uh, Hampton and Richmond have got some rather big backing now financially. Um, you know, they've had apparently an, an extra investor or something on board and apparently they've got some really good backing. So, you know, after the, a really good end to the season, um, and a couple of players, uh, Rory Donaldson, the, the match winner, one of which signed on for next season. Perhaps Hampton and Richmond could be, uh, you know, the the brain tree or of uh, of this season to go and have a have a push for promotion next season. Rory Donaldson not moving on, Joe. No, and uh, you know, <laughs> given that I said that he should move on, it seems every week he's either scored or assisted. Since then, so um, you know, fair play. He's a, he's a very good player. Should be playing higher, in my opinion. But um, yeah, while she's at Hampton, then uh, yeah, they're they're doing very well. Tom says, hands off. We're going to move on and look at the National League North, and in the National League North, it's neck and neck still. Both Kingsland and Filed won, didn't it, Dicky? Yeah, they did. No change at the top. Uh, today, um, although it looked as if they might be early on. Southport led 1-0 at Kingsley in an early goal from Connor Heath, but Kingsley were in the lead by half-time. Gold Omateo with from the penalty spot, and Ben Stevens then put them ahead. Omateo got a second in the second half. Tyler Walton did get a goal back for Southport to uh, narrow the deficit, but they managed to see that one out 3-2. Um, a good thing that they did because Fylde got themselves back on the winning trail again. They've been in a poor and of late, but they won 1-0 away at Boston United. Their goal coming pretty early on from Luke Charman in the 12th minute, but it means those two stay exactly as they were at the start of the day, other than the increasing points and goal difference, of course. Yeah, the story of a charming man, so there we go. In in third position, it is Chester, who had to come from behind. It was a, a game that had repercussions at both ends of the table. Farsley were 2-0 up. They are still out of the relegations on. Chester had a man sent off as well, but they managed to salvage a draw out of it. They did. It was looking better than um, perhaps Farsley could have uh, reasonably hoped for. After just 22 minutes, they led 2-0. Two goals from Adam Clayton. He's been a, a, a stalwart for Farsley Celtic over the last few years. Um, looked even better for them when Kevin Roberts of Chester was sent off in the 37th minute. So Chester 2-0 down down to 10 men, 
but they came back with goals from Adam Thomas before the break and then Declan Weeks, their captain, just five minutes into the second half, meant that one finished 2-2. I mentioned last week that Chester in a slightly odd position in that they can't really climb. Well, they're third. They can't climb any higher than third. They're not going to drop any lower than third. Um, But I think perhaps the fact that they came back from 2-0 down with 10 men today to get a draw suggests that the mentality at Chester is fairly strong. They weren't willing to write that one off, even though ultimately it probably didn't make any difference to them. Um, And I imagine that would have pleased uh, their manager very much going into, uh, well, with the playoffs just a couple of weeks away. They're very hard to beat Chester. They've lost the least games out of all of the division. That's less than Kings Lynn and less than Fylde. Yeah, and that's a very good quality to have, you know, because, you know, going into playoff games, they're going to be tight. Um, and there is, you know, if you don't, uh, if you can't get a playoff game settled by the end of 90 minutes, and I don't know whether the playoff games will go to extra time even as well, but, you know, penalty shootouts, just keeping yourself in the game and keeping yourself in with a chance. Um, and, and Chester's um, record of, you know, they're, they're they do show that they're a team that, that don't like to be beaten. They aren't beaten often. Um, and they are going to be a dangerous proposition in the playoffs. Although I will say they have drawn the most out of the teams in the top seven. Brackley, since the dismissal of Roger Johnson, have been going well. They had a good win against the Darlington side who are slipping out the playoffs now, albeit they are out of it only on goal difference. Yes, they are. I think one of the keys to, to Brackley's sort of mini revival, as it were, um, would be the restoration. Well, partly that they put Gareth Dean in charge, who is a, a player who knows the club very, very well. I know that's a bit of a cliche about knowing the club, but um, what he's also done is restored to the Brackley Town starting 11 some of those players who had not been making the cut under Roger Johnson. Um, he got the assistance of one of those today, Glenn Walker, put them on the road to victory with a, 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 a the first goal in their 3-0 win over Darlington in the 41st minute. Alfie Bates then scored in the 64th minute from the penalty spot to make it 2-0, I gather. Alan Armstrong, the Darlington manager, was also sent off at that point, presumably for something said to the officials. Theo Robinson, a um, man I actually got to know this uh, quite well this season because he'd actually been doing commentary on AFC Telford games whilst he was without a club. Um, he signed with Brackley in January. He he got their third goal in the second minute of injury time to make it safe. And yeah, from a couple of weeks ago or, or even just last weekend when Brackley were looked like they were having a serious wobble, um, you'd think they might just have enough to hang on for a playoff spot now. Yeah, just behind them, Scarborough, Gloucester and Alfreton. Scarborough on 66, Gloucester on 65, and then three teams, Alfreton, Darlington and Buxton on 64. As we mentioned it was a defeat for Darlington. Scarborough are also on a pretty bad run at the minute as well. They lost at home to Buxton, a team they know very well from last season. Of course, they got promoted into the National League North with them. And Gloucester as well, they took on Alfreton today and that ended up being a stalemate, which probably not to be unexpected really, was it? No, perhaps not. I mean... I- just coming back to Darlington, there we mentioned them um, getting defeated by Brackley. We've been speaking about sides losing momentum at the wrong time and dropping out of the playoffs. Darlington have just one win to their credit since I saw them beat Telford on the 4th of February. They've only had one win since then, which was a 3 0 home win over Darlington, uh, over, sorry, over Hereford. They are Darlington. Um, and yeah, that. that 
that you know that might be another factor in in Alan Armstrong getting uh, sent off today. In that you know there's a lot of frustrations there, seeing it it slip away. We've spoken about Scarborough being in the same boat. They went down one nil at home today to an 89th minute Scott Bowden goal from Buxton. They've got themselves back on the winning trail after their long and beaten run went for Burton last weekend. Uh, and as you say, Gloucester and Alfreton drawing one each. Not ideal, probably suits Alfreton more, I would suggest, because they've got a couple of games in hand over those teams above them. But the playoff race in the north is crazy, really. All the way down to Curzon Ashton in 12th place on 61 points. You could make a case for, you know, those teams getting into it. And I will say about Curzon Ashton, I'm going to jump to them. Um, they could have a really important um, <clears throat> role in actually in the destiny of the title in trying to get the points for their own um, chances of getting into the playoffs. They go to Darlington. Um, they then host Boston United and their last two games of the season are at home to Foyle and then away to Kings Lynn. So Curzon Ashton could have a very big role in the destination of where the title goes. Absolutely. They drew 2-2 away at Blythe. We'll get onto what that means in a minute for Blythe. But as you mentioned, just above Curzon, Akidaminster and Charlie. Charlie won 2-1 away at Leamington. That was a big result at both ends of the table. And Kidderminster, after what has been seen as a, a disappointing season for them, they beat Telford by three goals to nil. They're only two points away from the playoffs. Yes, they are. Um, I'll speak about Kidderminster first, as they are the side that I saw today. Um they didn't have to do an awful lot to get past Telford. I think Telford today, um, you know, they they won um, at Brackley last weekend and then had an awful result against Gloucester. They were back in that similar mindset that they had on Easter Monday today and um, went down 3-0. Um, a goal from Shane Byrne really early on for Kidderminster, I think only in the second minute. I think that's the sixth in their last seven games where Kidderminster have had a, a one-goal lead within the first 10 minutes of a game. So they are very, very fast starters at the moment. I think they've got something like four wins on the bounce, unbeaten in their last seven, one defeat in their last 10. And just at this point of the season, Kidderminster is starting to get some momentum, but has it come for them too late? Um, I suppose that is the question. They got further goals from Christian Pearson and Ashley Hemmings this afternoon in the early part of the second half. Um, and yeah, Telford just weren't at the races and Kidderminster, it was pretty comfortable for them. Um, the other side that you've mentioned there, Chorley, they were involved in the biggest um Probably the most dramatic game of the day, I would say. Surely led away at Leamington, and bear in mind, Leamington need points to get away from the bottom of the table as well. They led through Jack Sampson, his goal in the 51st minute. Leamington were awarded a penalty in the 87th minute, which Ollie Hulbert converted to make it 1-1. Leamington then thought they'd scored a winner within a minute of that goal. Hulbert again with a header. That got ruled out for offside, and then John Ushtabashi from Chorley picked the ball up on halfway, went half the length of the field and scored in the 92nd minute to break Leamington's hearts and give Chorley all three points. So, um, yeah, Leamington remain in, in the bottom for Chorley. Just still a little bit outside of the playoffs, maybe a bit too much to do, possibly, but they are still in with a chance. Quick, quest quick question for Dickie. Um, is it is it a given as to which divisions the teams that go down will go into? Um, I'm just fascinated by that because I don't really know it at that, at that end. So 
Telford, Bradford Park Avenue, Blythe and Leamington. If they, the current four are the ones that went down, would you know from that which leagues they'd go into? Um, speaking from Telford's point of view, I know very much that Telford are hoping to go into the Southern Central um, just because of the amount of travelling and because of, the, of how much that would assist with, with their recruitment. Leamington would definitely go into the Southern Central if they went down, which then might mean that Telford, being more northern than Leamington, would give them a problem. It depends who else came up or down. Blythe and Bradford are quite clearly going to go into the north, but I don't think you can say that it's as simple as two go into the the Northern Premier League and two go into the Southern Central. I think there might be more to it than that, and we're I think we're going to be waiting, you know, until the playoffs in all the other divisions that feed into that completed by something like the second week of May before we know. Um, and it is a problem when you don't know which league you're going to go into because, um, you know, in terms of recruitment, trying to get players um, in who would be happy to travel, you know, within the Midlands, but aren't going to be able to so easily make it if you've got trips, um, you know, Northern Premier League type distances. Um, it is a problem. And Luke, how do you see that from the other point of view? So you're involved with Hyde United, who are just in the final playoff position in the Northern Premier League, for example. Um, how do you see it? I mean, obviously, the title winners are going to be South Shields in that division. Finally, they're going to get up there. They've got an 11-point lead. But um, does it depend which of those teams come up in terms of who goes down? So, for example... If Hyde get up for either playoffs, that could mean one thing. And if Gainsborough get up, that could be something else. Um, I don't think so. I think the more the elephant in the room is maybe who comes down, as Dickie mentioned, because you look at someone like Oxford, Oxford City who spent one season in the National League North about 10 years ago. If they don't go up from the south, they could potentially move north. That could be an option as well, Dickie. Yes, it's possible. Um, I mean, Leyston, who are based uh, just outside of Ipswich, they're in with the chance of promotion from the uh, the Southern Central. Um, and then, you know, from their location, you would tend to imagine that they would be more um, National League South rather than North. Um, but it isn't straightforward. It isn't as easy as just drawing a line across the country and saying, you know, everybody North of that, everybody South of that. I think there is sometimes... You know, travel considerations come into this as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it is difficult. Uh, as I say, I, I think from our point of view, as I say, I can only speak for Telford in that um, we would probably like Leamington to stay up because that, that would make a stronger case for Telford being in the Southern Central. But, uh, yeah, it's um, that that's, that's just speaking from a purely selfish point of view. Whatever happens, happens. We have to deal with the consequences of it. Down at the bottom, as we mentioned, Blythe were 2-0 up against Curzon and ended up drawing 2-2. Bradford Park Avenue, big win for them. They're still alive in the survival battle. They beat Banbury by a goal to nil. Yeah, big blow for, for Blythe today, having held a 2-0 a lead over Curzon Ashton. They were 2-0 up after half an hour. JJ O'Donnell and Nicky Devidich got them into that 2-0 lead. Um, but then goals from Jimmy Spencer and Devon Matthews in the first minute of added time at the end of the game gave Curzon Ashton a point. Um, bit of a kick in the teeth for Blythe, that one, because as you say, Bradford Park Avenue had a, a 1-0 win over Banbury. Harrison Hopper got their goal in the 60th minute and that does keep Bradford alive um, you know they are on life support but 
there is still life there. And when there is life, there is hope. Um, but I think Bradford, uh, potentially their fixture list is, is the slightly more difficult of the, of, you know, the sides towards the bottom. Farsley, I think being outside of the bottom four at this point does put you in the box seat, really. Harrison Hopper bounced one in, didn't he? <laughs> he did indeed, yes. Get, into, get yourself into space, Hopper, I think was what they must have shouted to him. Peterborough and Hereford, 14th and 15. Hereford came out with that one as 2-0 winners. And Spennymore probably not going to get into the playoffs, but they have kept Kettering looking over their shoulder, haven't they? And uh, we've got a lot of appreciation for Glenn Taylor as well today. Yeah, um, just mentioned quickly, the two Hereford scorers, Pendley and Haynes, um, two centre-halves, got their goals at Peterborough in what is a, a very much a, um, a mid-table end-of-the-season clash, which probably isn't going to be particularly memorable for either side. Terrific day for Spenny Moore's Glenn Taylor. I do wax lyrical about him on here. I, I've, you know, if you, if you told me you could go out and buy... A National League North centre forward, um, you know, money, no object. Who would you choose? I would choose Glenn Taylor. I saw that Spennymore were winning 3-0 today and thought, I wonder if he's got on the score sheet. Had a quick look on flash scores. Hey, presto, he's got all three. He got the match ball playing by the 32nd minute. Um, Kettering did get a goal back through Jimmy Knowles in the 40th minute. Taylor then added his fourth goal of the game in the 52nd minute. Um, so individual performance of the day in the division has to be his. If he's not in the star man, uh, if he's not in the non-league papers team of the day, I think there'll be an inquest. Uh, George Forsyth, who did actually get married last weekend, so congratulations to him and his new bride. He got a goal for Kettering in the 73rd minute. But yeah, Kettering still... In the mire, looking over their shoulder. Again, we remarked last week that Kettering's problem had been scoring. They found the net twice, unfortunately conceded four at the other end, which was very similar to their four-one defeat last weekend. So, yeah, it, it's um, they are they will be looking over their shoulders. No honeymoon for Forsyth was there on on Saturday for him? No, no, the honeymoon very definitely ended. You know, I, you know, I think taking his new bride home a consolation of a goal in a four-two defeat isn't really uh, much of a gift, to be perfectly honest. Bro, well, that is it. My thanks to Rob, Joe, and Dickie for joining us. Pleasure as always. We've got a couple of guests lined up, just in case you're getting bored of listening to us four listeners. Definitely one, possibly two, good guests, uh, a debutant, and somebody. Very popular returning to join us next week, all to be revealed nearer the time. Brill, well, give us a follow on social media. We're on Twitter at NL Full Time, and we are the same on Instagram. And make sure you subscribe and leave us a like. We'll see you all very soon. <laughs>